um, sometimes there is a challenge between being creative and doing art and design for the pure love of it versus making money with it. Um, so trying to find the balance and still juicing up that side, that love, right? Versus, okay, I'm manufacturing something as a product and a service. Welcome to the Creative Tax Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators, where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram, I'm at Mike Bone, or on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. Hey, I'd love for you to stop by DailyCreativeHabit.com. I've created several resources with you in mind as a creative person. First, there's a link to our free private Facebook group, called Daily Creative Habit. It is filled with creatives of all types who have raised their hands to say, I wanna show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. And so if that's you, we would love to see you as part of this group. There's also a link to receive our free Daily Creative Habit email newsletter. This goes out twice a week and is filled with resources and inspiration and daily prompts for you as a creative person to make sure that you keep showing up every single day for your creativity. And lastly, there's a link out to the new Daily Creative Habit Guided Creativity Journal. And this is something that I'm really excited about because it's a 90-day journey that you can go on that guides you to plan and show up for your creativity and help you track and help you measure and figure out exactly what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. This is available right now through Amazon.com. You know, we hear this word branding all the time in today's world, and it can mean different things to different people. And today's guest, I get to sit down with Nikki Takahashi, my new friend, who is just a joy. I mean, you're going to hear it in our conversation today. She just has incredible energy, and uh, we both like to smile and laugh. I think our faces hurt after this interview. <laughs> anyway, um, she gets to talk about what she does, which is she's a digital media designer and a brand strategist. And so we talk not only about what do those terms mean, like what is a brand, but we also talk about creativity and how creativity shows up for her and the influences and just about creating this life that we're trying to live as creative entrepreneurs, even and creative people. And so I know that you're going to enjoy this conversation uh, as much as I did. And be sure to check out Nikki's own podcast, which we mentioned at the end of the episode. Uh, you're listening to a podcast right now. So add that one to the queue. And trust me, you will not regret it. So without further ado, here is my creative chat with Nikki Takahashi. Well, Nikki, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Finally, I'm here. Finally, we get to have a chat. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks for the invite. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I so enjoyed our time at our mutual friend, Mike Kim, his events recently. Just getting yeah. to know you, getting to sit down with you and hear a little bit about your story and your background and um, just, you know, kind of hanging out on the couch and just kind of having a chat, right? And I'm like, man, this is so good. We got to do this on an episode. So here we are. <laughs> it's so fun. And, you know, there were so many people in that group. I felt like it was just my destiny that I chose the table to sit next to you at. And it was just the two of us. And I had seen on social media at some of Mike's previous events 
this guy who did the crazy sketches of the speakers, right? <laughs> and lo and behold, I look to my right and there you are on the tablet making your magic. And I was just spellbound. So I, I'm i so grateful that I chose whatever table number that was that day. And then yes, that we got to have a, a further discussion because it's always nice to to talk with other creatives and uh, and casually, right? Not, yeah. not stuffy or structured. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. I don't know many creatives who are really stuffy, honestly. So <laughs> that might be true, actually. Maybe, maybe it's not creatives I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm excited to to talk to you again about this stuff and to share your background and story and your journey with the listeners today. Um, and so, you know, you describe yourself. I just make sure I get this right. Digital media designer and brand strategist, correct? Yes, and okay. that is ever evolving. I yes. think. Right. It's it's tough to put a label on what you do and, um, you know, and trends change, industries mm -hmm. morph. So that is ever evolving. But it's funny because um, when I started in this industry, I don't know. This is how old I am. I don't know if branding was really a thing. Like I don't mm -hmm. I don't think commonplace people talked about branding. Of course, right. the, the artists, the designers did. Um, so growing up, I knew that I knew the essence of what I wanted to do. I knew that I had a skill for identifying in people what kind of made them unique, how mm -hmm. their physical presence, their verbal you know, execution, all this stuff really culminated together to create something really magical. Uh, but I didn't have a word for that. And of course, that's more personal branding, but it right. does apply as well to business branding. So, so today I use that title to kind of encompass both ends of the spectrum, but I do love to lean into the personal branding. I mean, the weird, the quirky people that you can really just <laughs> enhance. And I mean, they're, they're, they're bold and they're unique, unconventional as it is. But when you can apply a layer of visual or messaging to it that just amps it up, I mean, they get excited and they're just so excited to promote themselves after that yeah. too. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> that does sound a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, I think you're right too, as far as the whole concept of branding and, and terminology. Um, you know, I'm with you as far as like, it wasn't really talked about back in the day, we'll say, um, mm -hmm. I won't tell you how far back in the day that is, but, um, <laughs> today there's certainly, you know, people are, especially younger people who were talking about, you know, I want to be an influencer. I want to, you know, just make my living off of posting things on Instagram and, and, you know, helping partner with brands. And so there's a lot more, uh, certainly in the terminology and in the conversation today. Um, mm -hmm. but I still think that there's something that's like, people don't really understand, or maybe, a misconception of like, what exactly is a brand? You know, some people talk mm -hmm. about it in terms of like, well, it's, it's the, you know, copy and the voice of whatever company or person. And then other people talk about branding and it's more, well, it's actually graphics and it's, you know, more the visual aspect of things. And yet, you know, very rarely do you find somebody who really understands a fuller scope. So how would you actually define like, what is a brand? And, and when you're working with somebody on branding, what is it that you're actually doing? Mm -hmm. Well, you've nailed it. It is that full scope, that full sensory experience, the messaging experience altogether. Um, when I'm working with, with clients, we do start with messaging always. Um, I find that's usually a stumbling block. They know their industry. They know what 
service they provide, but they may not have the right words to it. And not just the right words, but the words that define them and how they do something differently. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you get those really cool maverick personal brands who kind of are a little bit off the beaten path, like that's, that's the magic. And those are the times where you really need to capture that messaging and nail it. Um, Most people I find think of a logo immediately when they think Mm -hmm. about branding and make the mistake entrepreneurs are jumping in right away and going straight to a logo. And I can't stress enough how um, difficult that is. And it's funny because I really, I really have a hard time with trends versus being true to you. Many clients come and they've seen something online that, you know, they think is trendy and cool and that's how they want their logo to look. But really, if you can make it really aligned to your style and it, and not even necessarily industry specific, but something that just is so personal and customized, that's the better approach. So instead of jumping in with a logo right away, get that messaging and that flavor fleshed out so that you can then translate it visually or onto a website. That's the process I think works best. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in that process, you do start touching on the full scope, how how people dress, how they show up in a room, right? Maybe the yeah. perfume that they wear, like this all starts to flesh out and become so much more than just a logo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's probably where your strategist hat comes in because you're thinking holistically about this stuff. You're not simply thinking about just a logo or just a piece of copy or whatever the end product is, right? I mean, I do a a ton of logos and the conversations that I have sometimes with people where I have to back them up to go, wait, okay, you're you're wanting to jump ahead like 20 paces, but we need to actually have a, a conversation earlier in here because maybe what you think you need isn't really what you need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're automatically assuming that because they saw somebody else do something or somebody told them they needed something, that that's their next step. Um, and so to be able to assess and go, well, let's look at the process here. Let's look at the, the needs, um, real and felt and all that, and figure out a plan that makes sense. Um, I've early on <laughs> was involved in a couple of logos where, you know, it was obvious that once we're in a couple of rounds in. And so many like, rounds in oh, usually. So many rounds, yes. And you're like, is this, this is a zombie project, right? It's not going to die. It just keeps coming back to life. And you realize that like, they didn't take the time to actually dig and do the homework beforehand to find out who they are, what they want to say, how they want to show up. And it's almost like they're, well, well, we'll know it when we see it kind of, or we'll, we'll find our way through the dark. And um, you end up wasting a lot of time, energy, effort, money, and most of the time in those situations, no one is happy with what is happening or or the end results um, because it wasn't approached the right way. And so your assessment of going like, yeah, let's talk about all these things and let's have this process in place is so, so important. So uh, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. I can say Earlier in my career, I focused more on the visuals. I like the pretty stuff. So Mm -hmm. I did start logo website. I didn't have a messaging component, a marketing component to my little boutique agency. Uh, And there were some clients just like you described. I mean, weeks into it and like 40 some iterations later, they're like, well, I don't know. I can say now with confidence and so much pride that when you get that process right, when clients commit to that process and invest in that full process, it's much speedier and 
90% of the time, I'm going to say they pick the first logo that we do, right? And usually I just do two concepts, but you can usually nail it immediately. And then that's a wow factor too. And that's magical for them. But um, without those first steps, you're right. You're just, you're beating your head against the wall and the client is frustrated and you're super frustrated. So it's important that process. Mm -hmm. So with you saying you started with logos and more the, the visual aspect of that, um, I know uh, you shared a little bit me with me personally as far as where some of the stuff came from as you growing up and, and things. Um, would you share a little bit more about like the context of like, how did you get into that? And like, how did you know that you were a creative person? What were the influences there? Oh, fun. Well, I can take that right back to my grandma Takahashi. So yeah, I I credit her with so much of the creativity of my family and yeah, I was describing to you, it's such a fun story. She she was a farm wife, middle of the prairies in Alberta, here in Canada. And uh, you know, I remember as a little girl, I was the the eldest of the grandchildren. And so we got to spend a lot of time together feeding the cows, walking around on the farm, you know, in the kitchen, all the the housewife stuff. Mm-hmm. And my memory as a child, and I don't know if this is accurate or not. I really remember that farmhouse as being gray and lacking color. It could be just my perception now, but I know my grandparents decided to move to the what we call the big city. So it's a it's hundred and some thousand maybe at the time, mm-hmm. just a teeny little. But opportunities opened up, and so my grandma just blossomed before our eyes. Like it, she went from this sheltered farm wife to somebody who she was a karaoke queen she traveled the world in singing competitions she wore the sequins she did yoga and belly dancing and played the guitar (laughs) like it was just uh, talk about a color explosion right so that's how i differentiate um those two worlds and seeing that transition in her I think really inspired me like, oh, I don't want to be in a rut where I'm just doing the same thing day after day. Um, Kudos to her. I mean, she raised a very strong, stable family and and did her job in that role. But clearly she was meant for more. And so um, in the city, she started karaoke groups. She put on telethons. She was kind of the publicity queen in that in in that uh, area just so fun so i really learned from her how to step into your own personal brand and be unapologetically you Uh, She also had an image consulting business. So I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but there was um, like Color Me a Season. Do you remember that? Did your mom ever do that? No, there was like um, a color consultation. So you knew what clothes, what what shades to wear to enhance yourself, right? So Was that like, I'm a winter or I'm a summer? That's exactly. (laughs) Color Me a Season. I'm a little embarrassed that I can actually admit that I know what that is. You got it. I'm certainly not a winter. I hate winter. (laughs) I'm a winter. (laughs) Um, Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. So she had that business. And so there were constantly women coming through and she would be doing their makeup and draping them with all these colors. And there was even a personality component to it that kind of matched up. And so when she retired that business, she passed it on to me. and, And so I think I picked that up. A little bit, knowing that maybe that image piece was important. And again, I didn't know the word branding. I knew the image was important. 
So I did take some first steps um, before going to multimedia school, working in makeup and skincare. Uh, I took a, a correspondence course on interior decorating because I knew the space was really important. So I was kind of gathering all of these things that make up a brand without really realizing mm -hmm. that's what yeah. I was doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, and to be able to look at those things and say, okay, these aren't competing elements. These are actually tools in my toolbox mm. and they're leading someplace that's bigger than any one part. Um, and now you can, I'm sure rely on things that maybe it doesn't, it's not a one-for-one -one exchange of like what it looked like, but at least the process maybe in some of those things even taught you some things I'm sure that you use today on a daily basis. Um, what was it that made you go, okay, design, you know, visual art is the thing that I'm going to actually go for in the midst of all those choices. Yeah, I, I actually took a little hiatus after high school and I I was big into um, karate. So I went to Okinawa and I studied just like the karate kid for a little bit, right? Did nice. the whole wash the floor, <laughs> you know, all the, the stuff, <laughs> work so hard you want to throw up type of a thing. And so when I came back, for me, time was really of the essence. So I found a multimedia um, class, uh, a course, expedited course at a technical college. And that's what I, I went for. And I think that was contrary to what maybe people expected of me. I was really in high school, in junior high, academics were really important to me. So I think people assumed I would go to university and, and do something more traditional. But not only did I go a different route and then went to Okinawa and then, but then jumped into a technical school, which, you know, may not have the same prestige, but certainly got me into the industry a lot faster with the skills immediately. So I like that nonconformity stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's the underlying essence of who I am today. Doing things a little bit differently is my jam. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's really how I got into multi. So it was multimedia production and we did do graphic design, website design, some marketing, um, it, it kind of that whole, some TV production too. Um, so it was just a, a fantastic course, but I will say that I did have a little bit of imposter syndrome because mm -hmm. I didn't go to a traditional art school. So although I took these courses in what could be comparable to graphic design, I wasn't really a graphic designer in air quotes, right? And so mm -hmm. I know that some more traditionally schooled designers voiced a concern when you even adopted that sort of term and, and put that as your title, right? You're not really a graphic designer. You, you went to technical school. So that took a few years for me to get over mm -hmm. for sure. But yeah. um, I'm over that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, as I look back, it, it, what 20 some years nobody has ever asked to see a diploma or my right, credentials exactly. right so you you need to get over that hiccup if you're if you're being stalled out creatively because of some sort of degree just move on if uh, learn something on youtube for goodness sakes and you're probably more skilled than half the people out there yeah absolutely mm -hmm. and you know it's funny because sometimes people ask me they're like you know what's your opinion on art school? Do you think someone should go to art school? And I'm like, well, it really depends. I mean, mm. there's so many factors involved there and not every school is alike also. You know, the ones that I went to in New York City, I mean, the, one of the most valuable things actually wasn't just the, like, the skills that I learned, but it was really being in an environment where 
I was being challenged to be the best person that I could be, right? I was around people who were just doing incredible work and it made me rise. And then also it was the relationships with the people, you know, who are the professors because they're working professionals and they had connections in the field. Um, so short of that, I mean, the other stuff, you can certainly learn a lot on YouTube or wherever for free or, you know, go shadow somebody or, you know, whatever, however it is that you learn best, you can figure those other things out. Um, but I think it's really a matter of like, how do you put yourself in an environment where you can bring the best out of you? Mm. Um, like advocate for yourself in that regard. That's what you really need to learn how to do. Because if you don't do that, all the other stuff, it almost doesn't matter because you'll still end up stuck in some regard or like you said, you kind of the feeling like, you know, I'm missing that piece, whether it's a degree or a certain relationship or a certain opportunity. And it's easy to get stuck there, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you could do it differently, would you, or did you, do you, looking back, is that the yeah. right path? Um, I think for me, it was because when I graduated high school, I wasn't, well, I wasn't really like completely aware of what the possibilities were. And I think I was also too green in a lot of areas where I just needed to get some more experiences and figure out what does this actually look like? Like, I know I, I enjoy doing art and I like, you know, we had the conversation with my parents. It was like, well, you sure you want to go to art school, right? Like, you know, that whole business. Um, and, you know, I've told the story before, but it's kind of funny. My dad was a New York City detective. And um, he worked at the uh, police academy, which was uh, uh, like across the street or a block away from where the School of Visual Arts, one of the campuses were. And there's a story that goes that he was teaching at this academy and he was taking a break and he was with one of the fellow officers and they were looking outside and they're seeing all the, the weirdo artist people. Right. And the ones probably that they like arrested for drugs and who knows <laughs> whatever else. Right. <clears throat> and my dad's like, you know, no kid of mine's ever going to go to school like that. Well, PS <laughs> years later, that's exactly the school that I ended up going to. Right. <laughs> so there was the sense of like, you know, are you sure you really want to do this because mm. you know, the starving artist and you know, Mm -hmm. And so it was like, well, if maybe it's not like fine art or like animation or something like that, maybe you do something a little more stable, something a little more commercially viable, like graphic design. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually how I ended up in that. But much like you were talking about where it's like, you know, you have those conversations with yourself. I'm not like a real whatever, you know, in quotes. Um, I felt like I wasn't a real artist. I was mm -hmm. a designer, but I couldn't be like an illustrator or a fine artist. I mean, I didn't, you know. I didn't have the ability to do photorealistic rendering or right. whatever styles and things. And so because I struggled with that, I talked myself out of it and said, right. no, that's not a path for me. That's not an option. I can do these other things that I feel a little more safe with and feel yeah. a little more perhaps naturally talented with, if, if possible, you know, fonts and colors and all that. Oh, sure, sure. But drawing something that's a little more personal and that's a little mm. scarier, you know? So, mm. but I think art school helped me establish more of my own skill, more of those relationships of a path. But quite honestly, it wasn't until after I walked away from art for 10 years and suffered from depression, came back. I mean, I tell the story all the time on this podcast, but that journey of coming back to my art was the thing actually that helped me figure out, here's my voice, here's my style. Mm -hmm. And here's how to accept that other part of me that I rejected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It feels so good when it's a right fit. Right. I mean, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, yeah. I can say 
with certainty day to day, my job is a complete joy. Um, sometimes there is a challenge between being creative and doing art and design for the pure love of it versus mm -hmm. making money with it. Um, so trying to find the balance and still juicing up that side, that love, right? Yes. Versus, okay, I'm manufacturing something as a product and a service, which is yeah. two completely different sides. So, yeah. so I find I do have to maybe step into some of those things like what you described, maybe sculpting or painting, you know, mediums that I'm not comfortable mm -hmm. with at all, or I don't feel like I have the skill set in. But every once in a while, do that and test yourself and challenge yourself. Yes. Not for a dollar, but just for the pure love of it. And I find right. that really is energizing. Yes. Sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've encountered, especially people who are uh, using their creativity for their living, right? And it's in service of everybody else all day long. Yes. And uh, sometimes, like I found myself in this place a while back where I was like, I feel like I'm just in the deadline cycle over yeah. and over again. And I'm not really getting a chance to really even enjoy what just happened. And I'm onto something else. And I feel like there's something I want to do or say that's me, but I don't really know what that is. And I don't really know what I would say. And I don't have the opportunity because I come home and I, I'm tired because I was creating all day long. Mm -hmm. And so to create for yourself at that point seems like an impossibility. I mean, have you ever felt like that where, you know, you want to do something more for you or, or maybe it's a place where you're like, nobody can touch this, right? There's no client for this. There's no committee or anybody else telling you what to do. I mean, do you have outlets like that? I mean, you hinted at, you know, like sculpting and painting and maybe stepping mm -hmm. into some of that kind of stuff, but is there some other creative expression that you have that you go, this is just mine, you know? Mm. I think business-wise, I, I really find great relief in just working on my own business stuff, my own business website, my own social media posts. That's where I, I don't have to have anybody proof it. It's just mm -hmm. my eyes only, right? It feels good. I think it looks good. It expresses what I want to say. But there's, like you said, uh, there's so many deadlines that there's often just a sliver of time for that. So you have to be very intentional about a half day just for my business or just for me. Um, but without that, even in small gaps of time, just a little bit here and there, I think I would, I would probably lose my mind. You, you mm -hmm. do need that, that relief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so important because, you know, what I found is that it's having a place to even like play and experiment to have mm -hmm. freedom and mm -hmm. go like, obviously a client project is not the right place for me to go. I feel like expressing myself this way or doing <laughs> this, whatever, you know, uh, I mean, unless your client happens to be really open to that kind of stuff and like, Hey, the, the weirder, the better, or the more crazy, the better, whatever. Um, but most of the time, we know that that's not the right environment or right project mm -hmm. for that. And so to be able to have a place to be able to do that, to go, you know, what happens if I do this? Like, what happens if I break that? Ooh, like, yeah, no, nobody's going to yell at me. There's no, nothing's going to crumble. There's no financial implications here. It's just me simply going, I'm curious what that's happens, right. right? That's right. And, and I think that place, the more we can feed that, the more that that actually loops back around to our client work and the other places of our life, even in business um, and even outside of business of relationships and whatnot, um, because we're showing up differently mm. because we've tapped into that curiosity and there's a little bit more spark there and a little less like, okay, here's my do list and here's the you know responsible things that I need to do today. And, you know, <laughs> right? right, right. I know earlier on in my career when I worked in corporate for a building supply brand, 
doing multimedia, doing web and flyers and things. Um, I think I got into that that mode, that feeling where, okay, it's the same Pantone color. It's the same logo. It starts to be very repetitive. And what I love about working with so many different clients in a variety of industries is that, okay, maybe I can't use this really weird font here, but I know the next client down the road is going to, you know, this is going to be a great fit. So, you know, as much as I say, I like to have the time to just focus on my own stuff. I do like the variety of clientele too. So I think I would be, I would feel stifled if people came to me just for Nikki Takahashi style of painting, like Picasso, right? Like they want their, their image looking like Picasso's style, but instead they intentionally come to me because they want it to be customized and different for them. And so, uh, you know, that's a, that's a huge honor and a huge opportunity to, to keep the creative juices flowing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you find inspiration in a variety of different places? Is it mainly visual or like, what, what does that look like for you? Mm. Uh, okay. So uh, lately I found it in, in kids. So my nephews, um, my future stepchildren, the, you know, the, the little crafts that they do, the crazy mm-hmm. stuff just for the heck of it, not for the dollar, obviously. I love being immersed in those worlds and getting lost in that because I find that's really fun and always challenging and always changing. Um, recently, I I did. Have you seen that show? Nailed it. The baking competition. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you mm-hmm. watch that? Okay, so there's a bake shop here where you can pay and you go and they reveal your cake and you have to design this cake to make it look exactly right. I. Just because you're good at logos does not mean you can decorate a cake. That's what I've discovered. So humbling, but such a fun experience. Again, you know, a different outlet, totally different medium, yeah. food and the fondant and stuff. Oh my gosh. It was it's supposed to be a ship. I don't know what it looked like in the end, but dang, it was fun and it was delicious too. So, so yeah, changing it up, different environments, different people. Um, in the environment is always really helpful. I I also try to challenge myself with one craft per year. I'm not a crafty kind of girl, but um, just something that gets me back to tactile things, like mm-hmm. making a, a you know a, a pillow for a friend for their housewarming party, or you know just something a little bit different than sitting at a computer all day, where yeah, my butt doesn't yeah. become the shape of my chair. Right, that's that's <laughs> yeah. the hard part. You feeling it? You know what yes, I mean, right? Totally, totally. And that whole thing of, of tactile, I think you you hit on something there too, because it's so true. I mean, when I first started, you know, again, I don't want to go back way too far, and <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there was I was in school right at the point at which computers started being used, and they were like, okay, we're doing traditional paste ups and mechanicals for you know the artwork for advertising and whatnot. But we're also going to teach you now this new thing on the computer. And it was like, oh, OK, cool, um, which I'm very thankful that that happened. But I'm also thankful that I had this experience of like doing things more tactile, mm. um, even though some of those processes aren't used today. Uh, the methodology has certainly changed um, with the, the technology that's advanced. But there's a certain understanding and there's a certain experience where like when you get your hands dirty mm. and with materials that you can feel versus like my hands on, you know, the, the trackpad, you know, the mouse pad and, and whatever, you know, and yeah. clicking away on keys. Um, it, it's just a completely different experience. And I think mm-hmm. it, it's not an either or, I think it's a, 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 you know, both and, um, but to be able to keep 
ourselves in that place where we don't lose the tactile. And, I, you know, honestly, some of the people that I love um, their work, even design wise, they're taking things traditionally and they're, you know, they're still doing the whole thing. I'm going to slap this on top of a photocopier and move it as the thing is scanning and whatever. And then they're taking a printout and then they're scanning that in digitally and then using that somehow in their design. So there's this like back and forth dance that happens with a traditional and then the digital and then it comes with something that's like, hey, that's pretty unique. Um, mm. It's not simply a piece of clip art that somebody found someplace or a plugin or a, you know, uh, whatever texture pack that somebody bought on whatever website, you know? That's right. Did you find resistance personally? Were you resistant to the digital side after doing the whole, you know, cut and paste sort of Well, style? you know, it's funny. I, not in the beginning. It was when I came back to my art, I did because mm -hmm. for me, digital meant work and it meant graphic design. And what mm -hmm. I was trying to focus on was my personal side of things and go, I need to get back in touch with drawing and <sighs> with some things that ha like when I was a kid, mm -hmm. when I would take things out of markers and crayons and pens and, and more of those tactile experiences. And so I swore off having anything to do with digital drawing or anything like that in the early days of my coming back to my art, um, simply because of that, I wanted it to be personal. I wanted right. it to be for me. This wasn't anybody else. This wasn't work. This was, this was my own journey. And then eventually it kind of, I allowed myself some little things here and there. And then I realized like, okay, I don't need to set those parameters for myself anymore um, because I've moved past and worked through whatever my issues were uh, surrounding that. And now I can actually, I mean, now it's really probably 90% of what I do is digital, even with the drawing. Yes. Most of it's digital. But, you know, it's funny. I was thinking the other day, I'm like, when was the last time that I actually took my canvas out and set up some paints and did stuff with like tactile traditional materials? And I'm like, it's been far too long. I think it's time again for me to yeah. kind of dive into that. It, 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 I think it does something in your brain even to engage differently. Um, and there's a freshness when you haven't done that again, yet something very familiar at the same time. It's weird, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it reminds me of this book. I pulled it out because it was something that came to mind. So I have this this book here. It's called mm -hmm. Drawing Lab for Mi Mixed Media Artists by uh, Carla Sondheim. And <clears throat> I open this up every once in a while. It may even be for kids. I don't know. But dang, <laughs> do I have a fun time with it. It'll, it'll, it just gives you a little challenge. Like go for a walk outside and look at the cracks in the sidewalk and see uh -huh. if you can, you know, see an animal and then come back and draw it. Just like it, things like that. Use an ink dropper and make the shape of a person and it, different mediums, different ways of looking at things. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to change it up. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny is even if that is meant for a kid, uh, it almost doesn't matter. Because, you know, one of the things that I do, even with my daily creative habit, email newsletter that I send out is like, giving prompts, right? Like that kind of thing, where at face value, somebody can look at that and go like, Okay, my eye roll game is happening real hard right now. Because <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> You want me to do what? You know what I mean? And I'm like, trust me, I get it. New Yorker, I can eye roll with the best of them. But yeah, once we get past that initial, this is stupid, I'm going to be the cool kid, and we actually attempt to do something, we find that it's not so much about the product of what it is that you're doing, but it's actually about the process that you're engaging with. And yes. sometimes that process is packaged in a way that's like a Trojan horse, right? <laughs> it's not quite what you think it would, would come in. And... 
when you allow yourself to engage like that, you can actually make discoveries and it can actually either inspire you to do something and carry that to some other project that you actually want to apply it to now, or mm -hmm. it could just simply get you thinking in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. Doing things differently because you wouldn't normally do it. You know, I'm going to like make spaghetti art. Like, what is that about? Like, what am I ever going to do with that? I'm not going to hang it around my house or even show it to anybody, but like, oh, there's something actually in the process of doing that, that, you know, is kind of freeing, kind of making me curious, you know? That's right. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It makes your brain work differently. And I find too, my audience on social media probably gets bored of me posting a mood board or a website or all these spaghetti art. They would love that. Like the, yeah. the, those quirky things get the most eyes too. So if you're really looking to flesh out your personal brand and your presence, including some of these things that aren't part of the norm or your day-to-day -day business life are actually really engaging. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a second since you brought mm -hmm. that up. Um, if somebody's listening, they're thinking, okay, I need to improve my brand. If it's a personal brand, they're maybe a musician, an artist, um, whatever that looks like for them. Is there maybe like, you know, one or two things you could say, here's something that you can do that's really basic, but that would actually help you a lot. Well, certainly going back and, and doing that messaging step first, I think would mm -hmm. be the first thing that I would say. I would caution people, okay, this may not be directly answered to your question. I would caution people from investing a ton of money and time into their branding in the beginning, right? In those first stages, whether they're a musician or an entrepreneur, you need some time to get in your groove and understand your style and your audience. And so I find that the clients that I work best with, consultants, coaches, speakers, authors, need to be at least five years in when they're ready to not only commit monetarily, but do the process correctly. Um, but also they're so busy by that time that they just don't need to micromanage every step. And isn't, you know, <laughs> yes. I mean, you've done the logo design process, right? It's mm -hmm. those people who are generally new in their industry are really struggling with, okay, well, it's going to look good. What do I want it to look like? I'll know when I see it type of thing. Mm -hmm. I, those are the painful ones, but the ones that say, here's my money, just do your magic. I trust mm -hmm. you. They're like, please more of those every time. Yeah. 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 For yeah. sure. Yes. So being patient with yourself and allowing things to evolve and progress and then investing when it feels completely right, I think is the best advice that I would give there. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Um, and you mentioned, you know, social media and, you know, obviously you're, you're there showing up and doing all the things that all of us have to do on that regard. Um, but you also have a podcast too, that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, tell us a yeah. little bit about the podcast. Oh gosh. So that was a fun experiment because I thought there's no way I can do this and heck it's kind of fun too. <laughs> all right. Um, Square Peg Entrepreneur is the name of it. And that was really uh, an evolution in trying to create content that I was already conveying to clients on a one-to-one -one basis. So, you know, inspiring a personal brand to be a little bit more courageous, a little bit more adventurous, do something a little bit quirky in your industry. So I would relay these stories and the examples to the client. And I'm thinking this just needs to be talked about on a podcast. People can tell their own story and just have that as inspiration for everyone. So I really love to showcase, like you said, the weirdos, right? The ones that are, <laughs> are just a little bit odd, um, but are also 
you know, making their dreams come true and putting money in the bank too. And, um, you know, whether that's because of their image or the way that they produce a service, I mean, it can run the gamut, but, um, yeah, it's nice to hear success stories where you don't always have to conform to the industry standard. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, the podcast format itself even is another expression of creativity. And, mm. you know, I have these conversations sometimes with people that are like, I'm thinking about maybe starting a podcast, but I don't know. And then I get into further into the conversation and they've kind of pigeonholed what a podcast has to look like and how they have to show up. And I'm like, you realize that there's like a ton of different ways that you could do this and it's just finding the yes. right way for you. And that feels best for you would serve the right people and then just take a stab at it right i mean there's certainly a lot of podcasts that go by the wayside um i forget what the number is but i heard it recently and i was like yeah that's that's a pretty big number as far as ones that are abandoned on the side of the road <laughs> there's little tumbleweeds going through their yeah. their feeds of podcasts um but if you find that it, it works and you stick with it um i think it's a great tool i mean i love podcasting because I get to have conversations like this, right? And meet new people and yes. explore more stories and be curious. And um, that's another facet of who I am and my creativity uh, is being able to show up like this. So um, yeah, I love that you're doing that and and mm -hmm. that you're you're putting a flag in the ground for the for the oddball and weirdos, the misfits. <laughs> we're, we're all raising the fist like the breakfast club ending. <laughs> Well, I found with the podcast, it's just, it's personally such a confidence booster for me. Mm -hmm. I know in the short time that I've been doing the podcasting, I think my speaking has improved less ums and ahs and all those crazy things that happen naturally. I also think there are many personal brands and entrepreneurs out there who are really good at their skill but maybe not good at sales and promoting themselves. Mm -hmm. And so being on a podcast or starting a podcast is a really fun, liberating way to find that voice and express yourself and be a little bit less constrained. It's important. You can't just have a skill and not be able to sell it. Right? I mean, it has yes. to be the full package. Sometimes that's really rare to find. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I've had those conversations, yeah, mm -hmm. where I'm like, okay, you're a visual artist, great, but like learn how to write better because you're going to have to yeah. write blog posts, perhaps telling the story of why you created what you created. Um, and you're going to have to certainly write captions for and, and copy for social media. I mean, you don't want to just be like, I did this thing. Here it is. Hashtag me, you know, <laughs> like that's really not going to do anything on your social media. Um, so to engage with that part of yourself or learn that other skill too. It's kind of like the adjacent creative skills that help support your main one, yeah. right? To go, this makes me a more well-rounded person to be able to show up, talk about what it is that I do in a way that people understand it, that it's it's more professional. Mm -hmm. And um, and then you actually have more skills that you can use even to help other people, you know, because the more comfortable you That's get right. either on video or, or writing or whatever it is, um, there's certainly, you know, crossover. So yeah, love that. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And it, what a great way to get over that imposter syndrome that we probably all felt at some point, right? Just yeah. to be able to start expressing yourself. And like you said, describe what you do and sell it, get the right words behind it. it just jump in. That's what I would say to anybody. I, I don't love it, Mike. I mean, I, I like the <laughs> challenge of it, but I can't say I love it yet. Yeah. I'm sticking with it. But uh, because I don't want to be one of those, you know, tumbleweeds that you talked yes. about. <laughs> um, 
I have the problem of looking back at the first episodes and thinking they weren't perfect. Maybe I should delete them. Have mm. you ever thought about that in your podcast? Has it evolved over the oh, years? Certainly. And what did you do? Yeah. 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 I think that's natural, first off, to acknowledge that. Mm. Um, because honestly, whenever we start anything, we want to be perfect out of the gate. Nobody wants to be mm -hmm. a beginner. Nobody wants to be a mm -hmm. novice, right? And so to acknowledge that first and to say, everybody's got to start someplace in the beginning and nobody comes out being the expert. Nobody comes out. Maybe some people are, uh, are a little more gifted naturally in some ways. And so they have, maybe have a leg up, but by and large, we're all just trying to figure stuff out as we go. Um, and, and even not just in the beginning, but at every stage, there's always a new level. So newness is not an enemy, um, nor is the imperfect thing that we put out there. Um, I talk about when I came back to my art, my first day after 10 year gap of doing nothing creatively was a Starbucks coffee cup. And it's this awful rendering. It's like mm. terrible. And I was embarrassed by it. Right. I'm like, if anyone saw this and knew I went to art school, they'd be like, dude, what happened to you? Like your capacity is not what it once was. And it was, it was shameful, honestly. Right. Uh, it was embarrassing, but I decided I'm going to keep that. And I'm not only that, I'm going to actually show that because the way I think that you break that is by celebrating those moments and going, yeah, this was imperfect. As a matter of fact, this is embarrassing downright. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is a moment in time. This is not static. This is not what things will always look like. And it mm -hmm. helped me go, okay, I can measure here's where I was and here's where I am now. And to see the progress and to see how things have changed and evolved over time. Um, and I think it's helpful for other people to see that too, even though that flies in the face of so much of what social media is with the highlight reel and everything looking so curated, I think more real and authentic journeys of going, yeah, everyone has that. Everyone has mm -hmm. this iteration process that happened or, you know, somehow things change and evolved and yet we only see what we see today, where somebody mm -hmm. is in this moment and what, what it is that they want to celebrate. And so I think it's really important to, to acknowledge that journey. And then again, I think it's celebrated, you know, that's how you break the uneasy feelings of like, Ooh, this was e. <laughs> you know, cringy. Yeah. A little yeah, cringy. cringy. Oh, totally. All right. yeah, yeah. That's good. I won't, cringy. I won't delete them, but now, yeah, now I want to, I want to see the Starbucks cup rendering now. I'm really curious. So that's, that's really neat. It's, it brought to mind some comments from clients. So many of them stall out because they don't think the messaging is perfect yet, or the mm -hmm. website is perfect yet. And we both know how many websites have we gone through? I mean, it just evolves. And yes. so, yeah, it, people just need to jump. Like you said, do the imperfect, just get something out there. Oh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Mm -hmm. I, right. But, but it's true. It's, it's never going to be exactly right, um, yeah. but it's a starting point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's that phrase done is better than perfect. I I know it, that makes me clench a bit, but yes. <laughs> That's what they say, Mike. That's what they say, you gritted teeth. That's what they say. Yes, I know. <laughs> but the thing is, if we don't do that first thing, we won't mm -hmm. do the 10th thing or the 20th thing. You know, mm -hmm. there needs to be that starting point. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and yes, grit our teeth, cringe a bit, but ship it. Get it out yeah. there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Well, you know, unbelievably, we're at the top of our time already, Nikki. Um, I mean, I think we could talk for days. Uh, I'm sure the listeners would just love that, too. It's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we'll start a new oh, format. Oh, my gosh. That, 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 talk about cringe. Right? <laughs> Um, you go first. You go yes, first. I don't exactly. know how to do that. <laughs> but uh, I want to be sure to, to um, you know, that you let people know where they can uh, find you and um, your services if they're interested or and your podcast. So lay some links on us and, and some of some of that good stuff. Oh, so nice. Thank you so much. Well, my my company's name is Fetching Finn. There's a story there. But what I've learned, note for everyone learn how to spell out the the name of your business. Um, make sure it's easy to say. People understand F-E-T-C-H-I-N-G-F-I-N-N. I can't tell you how many different variations of that <laughs> name. Stitching Sin was one that really stood out to me. I'm like, is that what it sounds like? Fetchingfin.com, all right, is my website. But you can find me on social media more often at the Nikki Tack is where I'm at. Um, my podcast is linked up on the website, but then I'd like to just take this opportunity to Mike, because I, as a, as a podcaster myself, I know mm -hmm. how important it is to get reviews. So I just want to let your audience know if you haven't reviewed Mike's podcast, can you please go give him some five stars? We really love that stuff. And, uh, I know he would appreciate it. Well, thank you. That was very nice of you. Yes. No problem. Yes. And all that stuff, you know, it's like people, um, don't realize how much that stuff helps you get seen and heard because you get suggested more and yeah. people understand like, oh, this isn't just some thing that's there and was abandoned or, you know, people don't care about whatever. Like if, if things are having impact, um, you certainly want to make sure that you let people know because it's a nice thing to do. I mean, um, so but thank you for that. I appreciate that. For sure. Well, it takes just a few minutes. And if you're if you are if you have a podcast like I do and you're in the baby stages, boy, is that a confidence booster. Yeah. So, yes, it's yeah. not perfect, but listeners are acknowledging. So, yeah, have at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Well, Nikki, thank you so much again for this time. Uh, I mean, I, man, I just appreciate your energy. You have a spark and joy. And um, yeah, I just I love thank hanging you. out with you. So, yes. Thank and, you. Uh, can't, can't wait till we can do this again in person, right? We will. We will. Yes. And uh, and I'll be that lurker over your shoulder watching the magic happen <laughs> with your doodles because I am mesmerized by it. I love that little niche you've carved out. And thank mm. you so much for having me as a guest. This is an honor. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate if you would subscribe leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.